Hello and welcome to Flicking and Screaming. I am Jed Sprague here with my co-host JT Chipman. Hello, hello. And Evan Fagundis. Hello. And welcome to the Flicking and Screaming October Movie Roundup. That's right, baby. Dune <laughs> saves cinemas and movies are fully back. And we are here to tell you which ones are worth your fucking time this month. But first oh, yeah. and foremost, how are we doing, boys? Uh, doing so well. You know, I I will definitely kick it off by saying I'm doing um, really well. And part of that is because I feel like we've been waiting for this time. And I'm just specifically talking about movies. We've been waiting for this time for what feels like, what, a year and a half mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of these movies. And I know they weren't supposed to come out a year and a half ago, but the announcements of them being pushed and things like that came so long ago that October 2021 seemed to be like such a far off, you know, uh, a fantastical place. And to finally be here and to be like every other night trying to hit a movie theater or watch something on HBO Max to get caught up is just such a great feeling. I agree. Uh, despite that, I have uh, watched the movie Collateral, uh, I think, three or four times in the last week on HBO Max. I don't know why. Uh, I just am obsessed with that movie right now. So that's that's where my headspace is at. But but in, it, it, it is also at the theater. Um, just just riding a high all month, guys. High off the spice. I'm, I'm, I'm high off of the I'm high off the vibes. I'm high off the, the death and gore of, you know, Halloween and shit like every corner of like senses was hit this month. <laughs> So I'm, I'm so happy. How, how are you, Jed? I mean, it'd been way too long. I'm great because it'd been way too long since I've been smacked in the face by like true pure cinema surround sound. And oh the fact that I got to get that a couple times this week or this month uh, is amazing. You guys took my first question. How good does it fucking feel to be back at the movies? I think we're all like literally convulsing with excitement. But my next question it's almost the holiday season, and I know this year maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, but is this the best time of year for the movies, right? The weather's changed, like you're spending a little bit more time inside, and I'm not just talking about going to the movies. I'm talking about firing up movies at the house, you know, a rainy day, cozy season. Like, let's like just binge watch Harry Potter. Let's, you know, turn on, let's, wa- let's watch Collateral 25 times. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, what do we think? Is this the best season for movies? So I think you could play this both ways, right? This might be the best season for movies at home. I think you could argue that summertime when it's hot and you need some AC for three hours, you go to a theater. That's Mm. pretty close. But there is something magical about like especially a Christmas time movie, you know? Mm-hmm. There is such an anticipation. You've got the summer blockbuster, but there's something different about like, hey, awards season is coming, you know? And so that you you get your prestige movies coming out. But also you might have like and maybe this hasn't isn't the best example, but like you've got a big Star Wars movie coming in the month of December around Christmas time. You know that that there is a level of anticipation and excitement in a theater. Everyone's like got their coats and they're taking them off, or mm-hmm. like costumes for Halloween, or your home with, with uh, your home for Thanksgiving or Christmas. So you're with family. I think I think you might have. I think I just talked myself into believing your argument that this is the best time for movies, both at home and in the theater. So I totally agree, especially on the theater point. To me, this is such an exciting time where it's like maybe the first week or two of some of the prestige movies, like they really, some of the Oscar bait movies really start to come out kind of now leading into like late November where it really peaks. But it's also mixing with like those summer action, like thriller type movies. It's such a cool time where it's like you can go to the movies and depending on the time, you could be seeing like a period piece or just like, you know, a cops and robbers, like downtown L.A., like, 
crazy like crime fest or something. It's such like a cra- like a weird time, but I'm yeah. a big fan. I think for me too, there's something about like the summer, like there's a lot of pressure, like, oh, we got to get out and do stuff. And as movie lovers, right, we all like to take time to go sit our asses in that air conditioned theater. But, you mm. know, maybe the people you're with aren't as, you know, down. But most of the time, this time of year, you know, it's raining outside. What do you want to do on a Saturday? Oh, you want to go see a movie? Sounds good. Maybe you see two movies because you don't really have anything to do. I don't do that anymore because I have a child. But <laughs> I used to, you know, frequent two movies this time of year. And I one more argument is that for all you horror movie junkies out there, like you two, the, uh, that's, this is the time, right? So you get the summer blockbuster bleed. You get the, like, the new horror. Sometimes the old classic horror being shown in the theaters. Which yes. is another great thing. Yeah, that, that yeah. Like seeing Psycho on a big screen, can't beat it. And then you, like you said, the prestige Oscar movie. So I would say maybe the best time of year for movies. I'm really enjoying it. But this is a movie roundup because we know that your time is precious. And you can't see them all. So we've seen them all for you. And we're going to let you know which things is worth your time. Not 100% true. We haven't seen them all. But today we are going to cover Last Duel, Last Night in Soho, French Dispatch, Titan, uh, Halloween Kills, and Venom, Let There Be Carnage. We didn't (laughs) all get to see all these movies, so we're going to divvy them up, uh, talk a little bit about them, uh, bring some discussion points, what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, And first off, kicking us off, we're going to talk about Last Duel. Uh, Evan, I believe you are our man who has uh, covered Last Duel. Yeah, The Last Duel is uh, kind of a period piece epic, and I'm trying to remember when it's set. It's like 1300s, I believe. Mm, good year. Um, yeah, I believe 1300. Great, great year, 1300. It, yeah, exactly. The year we all know and love. Um, it is directed by Ridley Scott, and it stars Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and Jodie Comer. And it was actually written by Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and... Uh, Lindsay Hall of Center, right? I believe. Yes. Um, and or Nicole, Nicole Hall of Center. Sorry, Nicole. Um, somebody who they've collaborated with before. Uh, however, this is the first movie that Ben and Matt both wrote since Goodwill Hunting, which I felt like was just kind of buried in the lead. I, not many That's people huge. were talking about it. It's huge, right? Like, doesn't that seem like that should be like the biggest thing that we're talking about almost? Yeah, I don't. I literally don't think I ever heard of about that until well after it came out i feel like until i walked out of the theater right didn't i like text you guys after i left the theater yeah and jed you were like oh yeah i did not realize that was a thing and that's probably like so that should have been marketed and like maybe they were like oh because Lindsay also wrote it you know like we need to give her we don't want to steal a shine but then i don't feel like they pushed it for her that much either so i'm like i don't what are we doing like wouldn't she be better like wouldn't she be more happy with a really successful movie that she helped cover like you could mention her also also, if i'm I'm her i'd be like studio can i get my name up there next to ben affleck and matt damon of course like she's like a very prominent screenwriter in her own right kind of bizarre but um, this movie did not do very well at the box office. It's done pretty well critically. And just my own opinion, I really, really enjoyed this movie. And like there are some um, very touchy elements in this movie and and major trigger warnings for anyone who's going to go see it. You should definitely like, Google it beforehand because it does center around basically varying accounts of a rape. And the the duel is representative of the um, the like trial i guess you could say of the time the judicial system 
mm. system's way of dealing with uh, this rape and the aftermath. Um, so it's definitely, that. you know, charged material. Um, but the acting was unbelievable. Jodie Comer was unbelievable. And just, I, I don't know, it was it was pretty epic. So it's a courtroom drama then, is what you're telling me. There are courtroom drama aspects to this movie. And, like, that's that's not a lie. There are multiple scenes that are in 1300s courtrooms. Yes. How, so, much of, how, how much of Knight's Tale are we getting here? So I'm glad that you mentioned that <laughs> because the final 25 <laughs> minutes of this movie, they are there are, without the laughs, I will say, there are uh, a lot of uh, Knight's Tale vibes for sure in the way that they staged the action. But then it looks like Gladiator. You know that difference between, like, right. then it has the grittiness of Gladiator kind of shoved into that telling. Couple questions. Uh, uh, first and foremost, Ridley, yeah. still got it. It th- that's one thing I wanted to mention about this movie is like it's so technically sound. Like everything from the music to the the way it's choreographed, like it's brutal, but at the same time, it's so like expertly crafted, and you can tell as you're watching it. But yeah, he he was definitely firing. Uh, and what was your favorite performance? There's like a lot of big name actors in this. Like if you're like <laughs> so putting many. your money on a horse yeah. in this movie to you know be nominated for best actor. I've heard yeah. Jodie Comer's like performance. That's been like I, the one. I will that. say she and Adam Driver probably gave the two best performances. I believe Jodie Comer's was the best and was the performance that I left thinking about the most. By far the most fun performance is Ben Affleck uh, playing a goateed um, uh blonde tipped haired um like sex maniac like this is really ben affleck uh, <laughs> going all out <laughs> for sure uh, he really had to reach deep for that part i'm sure it was real <laughs> tough to uh to bring that to the screen i'm sure he was doing some major uh, method work uh, that's just gonna <laughs> be a guess yeah what era? like this is you, you probably don't even know this i wonder what era like what stage of relationship was he in with his various partners when filming this movie. Do you think this I'm was very curious. Anna? Was this like early rebounding with J Lo? Early Anna days. This might even be like pre Anna. Like how long ago that they shot this movie? I'm curious to know. Or maybe yeah. it was like pre public Anna. So she was right. like still kind of like a little secret. So like that's when. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Many people are asking what's a more personal performance, uh, The Way Home or or The Sex Maniac in this? You know, only time will tell. <laughs> Inside yeah. a man, there is a demon and an angel. And a little oh. mixture of both, maybe, yeah. Awesome. So, last tool, Evan. Go yeah. see it. That's I, the resounding... It, you know, again, Google it. Look at what the story's about. But from there, absolutely, if you're into good movies, I, I believe everyone would like this movie. I was yeah. a big fan. This is the one from October I'm the most embarrassed I haven't seen yet. I just Dang. literally haven't made... I just... Time has slipped away, you know? I was on the seventh collateral watch with the this director's movie, commentary. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to rip yourself away. I would not be shocked if this movie won like three Oscars. You think oh. so? Yeah. Amazing. This is this is exciting stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we could talk about this maybe more as we get closer to Oscar season. Yeah, I'm a little right. worried about a this and and uh, another Ridley Scott movie that's coming mm-hmm. out later this year, potentially competing with one another. I'd be curious. I'm thinking a lot. Uh, almost more like down ballot type stuff. Well, as high as like cinematography or something, but this movie is just told on such like a like big kind of epic scale while also telling a very personal story. It just seems like it 
might touch a little bit more on those like specialty categories than House mm-hmm. of Gucci, but I'm curious about that. Got it. Yeah. That um, might get the acting. I'm thinking House of Gucci might like just be kind think, of an actor's paradise. You think yeah. it's going to be Leto coming out of House of Gucci? I really Oh my like goodness gracious. He better wear the makeup to accept the award, if so. I think they're going to like this is going to be like Lady Gaga's like if if ooh if a star is born, a lot of Gaga coming, vibes. But if if the star is born is her coming out party, I think this is her this is her crowning. Like mm-hmm. I think we're gonna see some some really she's gonna get her flowers. Father, son, and house of Gucci. Yeah, like literally, like <laughs> just inject that into my veins. I can't decide our, if that lines our right. name, sweetie. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, go see Last Duel, Evan. Thank you so much. Moving on, Chip. Last night in Soho. Talk to us. So uh, you guys might have heard of this guy, Edgar Wright. He's made no. he's made a few movies. Um, very singular director. And he directed this movie called Last Night in Soho. And it's, I liked it, question mark. <laughs> um, I saw it last night. My expectations for this movie were super, super high when it was like announced, right? Yeah. Like, oh my God, Edgar Wright, Anya Taylor-Joy, Matt Smith, Dame Diana Rigg, rest in peace, rest in peace. Um expectations were very high trailer drops trailer looks really good but also like tells most of the story and then the second trailer tells even more and i'm like okay i'm a little worried and i liked the movie i had a good time with it you've got anya taylor joy got thomas and mckenzie matt smith diana rigg of course and it's a really it's full of amazing performances i think every single actor bringing their fastball and they've got a nasty like you know split change splitter shit that they're coming with because it's unexpected right it's an Edgar Wright movie so you've got a lot of funky camera shit going on you've got a lot of like (laughs) unexpected angles you got a lot of like like this isn't Scott Pilgrim there's no like CGI Mario coins popping up on the screen or anything like that but it's filmed so colorfully right there's so much emphasis on these London LED lights and on spotlights on stage Anya Taylor-Joy is singing on it's a bit of a time travel slash mirror story with London in the 1960s and it dives into some horror elements and then you've got some social commentary going on um and I don't know if it perfectly nails that I don't that I don't think that's the point of this movie I think other movies you know the social commentary comes front and center I think with Edgar Wright that it's always going to come second to visuals and for lack of a better word vibes that's mm-hmm. what Edgar Wright movies are I think the screenplay is not very good um it's pretty clunky I think it's pretty unevenly paced but there are some really exciting moments I don't know how effective the horror actually is I don't know how effective the social commentary is but I do think it is worth it for the performances I think Anya Taylor-Joy is amazing Thomas and McK- people are going to be talking about Anya Taylor-Joy more but Thomas and McKenzie absolutely nails this mm. just like nail gun every scene it's a, it's amazing what she's doing and then matt smith is just the sleaziest fucking dirtbag i've seen in a movie in a long time like most it is incredible face. like what that man what most punchable face in hollywood matt smith might be and it's it's yeah. more punchable with this movie not just because of what his character is doing but the way that he like smokes a cigarette and like angles himself like literally the curvature of his body and like his neck in proportion to his shoulders it's it my god i mean he was fireball in this movie um so watch it i think and come yeah you know i i think you guys should watch it awesome i would like Any, to field questions now this is this is my book report so i the thing that i've been seeing the most is is uh 
negative comments around the social commentary. And I was just honestly kind of surprised to see like that was Edgar Wright's direction. Um, So, but you're saying like you didn't feel it was as heavily featured or like seemed like the main attraction. I don't think it's the point of the movie. And I think people are reading into some things a little bit more than they should. Like, I think this is just a story that Edgar Wright is trying to tell and maybe Mm -hmm. not actually trying to say anything about the world. Um, I don't know how closely you want to interrogate his intentions. So yeah, no worries. It, yeah, I've, I've I've seen a couple comparisons uh, to promising young woman floating around the Twitterverse. Is that true, or is that big boss baby guy vibes? Like seeing that, only seen boss baby giving me big boss baby vibes. This is you know this is like the uh, guy who saw boss baby and said boss baby vibes. I mean, I <laughs> makes if me you really want to draw a thread, you can, but I think that you are. I think it is a very lazy comparison. It is. It is lazy journalism is lazy criticism you know like i mean i we've all done it we've all said oh this movie is like this or this movie is like this minus this plus this we've all done it yeah, i think it in this week. case it's not what you're going not what you want i did it last week comparing dune to apocalypse now when there's like five shot for shot i'm like i don't know why but dune makes makes me think of apocalypse now hmm, i wonder if denis villeneuve is obsessed with francis ford coppola like every <laughs> other male director alive <laughs> Yeah. All right. Any other questions, Evan, about last night? So I think I'm going to see it. Beautiful people I, doing cool stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. Everyone is so, so beautiful. In this also, movie. London. Come on. Sit, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah big time. I love wild. the two stars. I, Thompson McKenzie is really good. I'm glad to hear you say that she was really good in the movie. That makes me excited to see it. She yeah, that's really good. Big year. Big year for her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, big year. She's in the uh, I don't know when we're getting the Jane Campion Power of the Dog movie, but she's in that, too. And I've heard amazing things about that. Awesome. Um, all right. Um, moving on. Chip, you're up again with Titan. Titan. So Titan is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is a horror film. Directed by Julieta Cornell, who directed a movie called Raw. I want to tell you the plot of the movie Raw first. Raw is about a, a young girl who is a vegetarian who goes to vet school, gets hazed into eating meat for the first time, and then starts eating people um, of her own accord. So that's what you can expect from Titan, which is kind of indescribable. Um, it is a it is a body horror movie. Uh, it is very much in the style of, you know, your David Cronenbergs, of course. But it is very quite literally mechanical it is about a woman who um was in a car accident when she was very young and has a titanium plate inserted into her head and uh has has a thing for cars as in uh, a, a bit of a sexual thing for for cars and engages in some sexual sexual activities with cars and becomes pregnant by that um Mm just watching Jed's face. I, I wasn't sure how much of this you knew, Jed. I know none of this, so I'm like, <laughs> this is all uh, live reaction. And if you could see my face, it's reminding myself never to watch this movie. No, I'm kidding. Some she, shenanigans ensue. She follows down this path where she becomes a bit of a runaway and then, like, adopts herself into this um, firefighter uh, family and, like, uh, basically masquerades herself as his long-lost son. Does she and, bang a fire truck? Does she have sex with a fire truck? Who's to say? You know, that's for that's for uh, you to know and and Pornhub to find out. You know, I want this. I want you to explain to me the mechanics of the mechanics in this movie. <laughs> 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 Oof, that was like 
450 dead center. One, yeah. 112 exit velo. Mechanics yeah, going to be good fucking Teton, Teton's going to lay it in there right that. I'm going to turn it around. Um, um, this movie's wild. It is very disturbing. I think about 25 people in the theater, I would say, I think three walked out. Um, and it's very understandable. you got to know what you're in for with this one. Sim- kind of similar to Last Duel, but I think maybe more uh, prevalent through the entire you know two-hour runtime. It is just nonstop, some gory-ass, crazy-ass shit that you're not going to expect. But it is actually, I think, very tender. Believe it or not, I think it is a very beautiful story. There's a lot of things in there about fathers and children there's a lot of stuff in there about gender identity and fluidity and and kind of the experience kind of the experience of trans people although i think that is kind of third or fourth on the list of things that this movie is going for it's very ambitious it is trying to do so so much especially for only a second movie um this is her, this is her sophomore movie um but i think it is very effective for fans of horror i could not recommend it more i mean i think outside of dune i think it's my favorite october watch i mean and even it's right there with dune i would put it right there with dune in terms of movies that like i think are just amazing in over no time to die oh man yes over no time to die high praise yeah it's it's any questions fucking good any questions evan I chip covered it pretty well. That was that was a good description. I had heard a little bit about what this movie was about, and I'm just really this is the one like chip you said last duel. This is the one I'm most disappointed I have not seen yet. And unless I'm wrong, like it just has not been shown in many theaters near me. I need I need to make a little bit more of a trip. That is correct. It is. It's been a bit tricky to get out there. I do think it's done. It's done pretty well critically. I have no clue what we're going to be doing uh, Oscar wise with this one because it was um, France's submission for best for the Oscars for mm-hmm. their international submission, which is absolutely insane. Um, truly <laughs> unhinged behavior from the French population as always. <laughs> we love it. We love, we love the French. Awesome. Chip. Thank you so much. Evan, talk yeah. to us about Halloween kills. my friend. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Halloween kills is the latest installment in the Halloween franchise, and I believe it's supposed to be the second to the last one that Jamie Lee Curtis, at least, is going to be doing. I think the next one kind of ends this current trilogy. Um, and this definitely felt like a middle movie uh, of of a trilogy. It, mm-hmm. It's very clearly hurtling towards <laughs> another <laughs> movie and not in like that rewarding of a way like Dune. I, I mean, I'm personally just going to say I didn't really like this movie very much. <laughs> It is just not <laughs> Halloween at all, and and yeah. I guess that's fine. But this is like, this is like one of the more intensely like gory movies I've seen in in quite a while. Definitely new movies, and that's just not what I normally would have expected from Halloween. And and they've had gorier movies, uh, like post the original Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween. But this one was really um, intense. Like there there's some some wild. Uh, uh, there's some wild body horror stuff in this one too um and it's just kind of like a run-of-the-mill plot like I, I will say michael myers is putting up absolute numbers in this movie and i'm happy to answer any questions around that like this man i saw somebody on letterbox say like michael myers competed or is trying to um um conduct genocide against the people of haddonfield and it's honestly <laughs> like not that far off from what's happening here so my guess is i haven't seen this movie because yeah. i i liked uh 2018 halloween was pretty good i Uh, thought it was okay as well yeah i just i saw the reviews and i was like i just i'm gonna spend my two hours on something else um Mm -hmm. 
So I'm assuming that nothing happens in this movie besides him just killing people. That's that's pretty much it. I mean, speaking of like thrown together social commentary, there's maybe a little social commentary. Like the side plot is kind of the people of the town all rallying together and basically wanting to enact vigilante justice on our guy, Michael Myers. And, you know, of course, that leading to when when the mob is leading rather than the law, the movie mm-hmm. would say, then then that's a problem. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's some exasperated sheriffs in this movie, you know, disappointed mm-hmm. that they can't do their job. That's what you'd um, expect, though, when it was executive produced by Donald Trump, right? I'm sure. And, you know, with how much success the uh, the police and the sheriffs have had in catching and stopping Michael Myers in the past, you'd, you'd expect them to want to take point on this one. Yeah. Um, but they they continue to uh they continue to fail. He does absolutely murk some firefighters uh, at one point that, mm. and I don't feel bad about spoiling that because it's in like every trailer. But it's an actually really intense, crazy scene, and just like I feel like you don't see firefighters trying to fight too often in movies. That was kind of like a, a fun little thing that they threw in there. Not fun. The anymore. fire the firefighters in Titan certainly don't do any fighting. Oh no. <laughs> They do other things. Oh god. Um, anyway, firefighters though usually are like are like uh, people that get spared by the population because they only help, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and so they're like, only trying to help. Like Mike they're Meyer, literally Mike just Meyer, in, like trying to fight a fire. Yeah, he's just going out of his way to like, <laughs> yeah. cause chaos. I, I like, like that. Literally, a few of them are outside. Like it's actually almost kind of a comical scene because they're just so like we're the we're the firefighters. <laughs> so like, is so this confused. is this at the beginning of the movie? very early on yes okay so like if i get on yeah go ahead if i get on uh uh, peacock which is a streaming app from the national broadcasting company whatever nbc stands for and i watch the first 15 minutes can i then stop because i've seen the firefighter scene i believe it is in the first 15 minutes yes because this movie picks up literally at the same exact time that the last movie left off right that's what i was thinking yeah, which is like also just part of like a troubling thing for me to wrap my head around. Like I'm watching exactly what happened at the end of last one, mm-hmm. knowing that this one is going to end basically doing the same thing. And I was just like, "Ooh, this is it, it is tough to put yourself in the mindset. But yes, within 15 minutes, uh, you will see that scene. So what you're telling me is fire this up, turn on the cock, fire, <laughs> fire, up, fire up Halloween kills. Watch 15 yeah. minutes, turn it off, and then watch Prisoner of Azkaban. I, yes, it seems like you're very dead Peacock. set on watching Harry Potter. I'm okay with you doing that. Sorry, I've just been doing it, and it's. I'm just saying it's it's on Peacock. That's kind of what's. I, I also don't want to, you know, pretend like I'm advocating for firefighters getting murked. I'm just saying it's a wild scene to watch because I mean, if we're gonna watch, it's like one of the more inventive things. Public Evans service, like yeah. abolish the firefighters. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little concerned with where your priorities on like which public servants we should be protecting. Right. And no, I know I have a lot of stress. It, um, it's hard to know with that thin blue line flag you've got hanging on your apartment wall. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that after we got done recording. Oh, this is just pretty, this pretty is inappropriate. Like, were you in Were you in Dallas today at the QAnon rally for JFK Jr.? I'm going to demand you guys put you out late? a statement and both <laughs> sign it that says that I am innocent of all charges levied against me in this podcast. I saw a picture of you and Blake Trinan earlier. Hey, hey, take it you easy. Need to like, oh, that's, I that's ran into him at dinner. What was I going to do? Yeah, that's doubly offensive. No, we need like, it's like, did you guys see the newest succession where Shiv Roy writes the letter about Kendall? This is what Evan needs to do. No, write, write a letter defaming us. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm, I'm writing a letter that you guys signed saying he's cleared. 
That's uh, my, oh, consider, consider this my official yeah. statement. There was no flag. Evan has no agenda against firefighters. It's we fair. apologize for the hilarious, objectively hilarious jokes. Um, <laughs> anything else on Halloween kills that we need to know? I don't have not not really. It's just it's weird, you know, and people say this about Star Wars and stuff, too, at this point. But it's just like weird to have one of these movies come out. And the, I should mention this movie made so much money and it has like been the most yeah. successful movie of the year so far, like even better than Dune and stuff domestically. Um, it's wrong. But it's just weird that a movie like this comes out. And it's just kind of like another movie. And everyone goes, of course, because it's Halloween. But it just feels weird how watered down, you know, the original property is at yeah. this point. Um, it makes yeah. it strange just because I I rewatched the original Halloween, you know, last week. I do it before every Halloween weekend. And it was just weird to like be like, oh, this is part of the same thing yeah. as this movie on Peacock. With original point, Halloween still rips. Oh my oh, god. Oh, it's unbelievable. That's and that's does, one of the best yeah. movies ever made. Doesn't take would away this, from it at all. Would this movie put me into like a depressed like this is the state of Hollywood doom spin? You you would you would not like this movie at all, Jed. I actually like the original. Right I like the original Halloween. No, this think, one think, is I'm telling you, this movie was so gory. I was honestly that's the blown thing about away. about the original Halloween, it's not that gory. No. It's like not gory at all, basically. It's like suspenseful. Yeah, you just see dead bodies. At, you don't even really see anyone actually like die that really on yeah. screen, right? You kind of just see the body after. Mm-hmm. As somebody, I mean, they, he strangles, but yeah, I don't know. That's anyway, tough. on to you know from from you know big IP to small art house cinema. Venom, let there be carnage. Yeah, Schiff, yeah, yeah. Chiff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You said you you told us in a text you have 120 seconds on Venom Let There Be Carnage. So let me know when you're ready for me to start the timer. And I, I might have I, I actually meant 120 minutes. Like I've got my own I've got my own thing I need to do here. I'm I'm actually I'm gonna go through every single frame of this movie in my in, in this little thing. So if we want to like if you want to skip forward two hours in this podcast, I should be wrapping up. Um, Venom Let There Be Carnage. Wow, what a movie. Um, because I like and support. Tom Hardy. I'm going to watch more or less anything he's in. I would. I think that I don't regret seeing this movie, but like only because no one else was doing anything at the time, like that afternoon for me to do. So I went with my friend Nick and was like, oh, no one else is free. I guess I'm going to go see this movie with, with my friend. Nick. And it was. Um, it's a movie. Um, it's so here's the problem with Venom. What there be cars. It should be rated R. Right. This is a PG-13 Venom mm. movie. Um, there is with you know with serial killer Woody Harrelson and serial killer girlfriend Naomi Harris and Tom Hardy doing the voice of Venom as well as his own. Tom Hardy I think <laughs> also is credited as a writer on this movie. He's the other writer, which is I'm assuming means it was his baby. It. It's what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. see like, some of those articles about like how <laughs> how much painstaking time he was putting into uh, an effort into writing the script? Yeah, um, <laughs> love you, Tom. Gonna gonna be there for you. We we can talk about it. Let's get dinner. Let's catch up. I've got a couple notes. I'm assuming most of what he worked on was the Venom specific dialogue, like the scenes between where Venom is talking to Eddie, whatever. And like those scenes are fine, and they can be funny. And like a lot of people are like, oh, it's like a rom com. And like there are better like, well, which is like funny, but like there's better not rom coms to make rom com jokes about. You know, mm-hmm. like Inception is actually a rom com between Tom Hardy and JGL. Perfect. Yes, correct. This is this this is not good enough to be qualified as that. Um, but yes, Nancy it needs Myers. to be rated R. What? 
Nancy Myers direct directs. Unironically, yes. Give it to me. <laughs> um, there's only one F bomb in this movie. That's a problem. This movie needs to be riddled with profanity. There is so little like actual proper venom, carnage, violence. There's only like one head biting off scene. There's such there, so much like violence and 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 gruesome happens off screen. And like mm. I understand this is still like you're, you're trying to get 13 year olds in the seats, right? You're trying to get 14 year old dudes to watch this movie, and it did very well in that, and it made a lot of money. And if it was rated R, it wouldn't make that much money. But I would like it more if it was rated R. And if it was, the, it is 90 minutes. Appreciate that. Love a good tight 90. Um, I would have accepted it. I would have accepted like an hour and 45 if that other 45 was just full of like excess um, um, brutality. <laughs> Respect. That's a great don't watch this movie. I mean, I, do, but don't, you know? Like, how buy do you a like the first and one? then don't go. I mean, They're, I feel like you, support the industry. Just wait to see till it comes out and like yeah. kill at, at like two in the morning when you have insomnia. Yeah. Two in the morning or like you, you had coffee too late in the day. So you can't sleep mm-hmm. or like you're just you're in the background at a party with your bros, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Can I just submit this? Uh, like the discussion that I watched layer cake the other day to see <laughs> some pre James, uh, James Bond, uh, Craig. Oh, and I almost forgot he's in it, but Tom Hardy's in it is just like, a super normal acting guy who's like the 10th person in the movie. And it's just so bizarre to see that now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Let go watch this. Go watch amazing. this means war, bro. This means war is like the rom-com that he did with Chris Pine and Reese with right. It's jarring. You're like, who's this actor? Like who is just yeah. playing a normal person who's like, so trying Layer to Cake is the best movie we're going to talk about on this episode. Layer cake is amazing. It's better than every movie made in the last uh, 12 years uh, go watch layer cake wow it is very good um you would like it jed it's extremely british i'm surprised you haven't seen layer cake jed. i've seen layer cake yeah i was oh, gonna yeah, say yeah. this seems okay. right up your alley this movie is i was like awesome. what are you talking i was like girl come on <laughs> this movie You're is like, like, like i'm like i'm like, like some of the like some of the the cinematography in that movie is wild it's just like so unnecessary how crazy like some of the cuts are and like the zooms <laughs> It's worth revisit, it for the I final shot. Revisit it. Is it yeah. as like I've been seeing like maybe just because it's you watched it and like sometimes like I kind of conflate just our yeah. discussion with like what's happening in the world and I was right. about to be like I've been seeing a lot of people have been revisiting their watching. Yeah, <laughs> but I think also like anytime the conversation like is about Daniel Craig or Tom Hardy, which it often is in my corner of Twitter. Um, yeah, that that happens. Yeah. Uh, any other questions for Chip on Venom, Let There Be Carnage? I think the, you know, the outstanding uh, is, like, the outstanding review is, you don't need to see it, but if you're bored, you know, might as well. Yeah. Um, man. This this movie could have been, like, one of my favorite guilty pleasure superhero movies, and it, it's not. It's very close. It's two, dis- two, like, studio decisions away from being mm. pretty sick. Yeah. This has Plane Ride to My In-Laws written all over it. In like yeah. a year and a half, whether it's mm. on Southwest free, yeah, it's free service. You'll get a couple. Uh, of all right, moving on to the final uh, movie in our roundup, uh, and that is a movie that Evan and I have both seen. That is Wes Anderson's The Friends Dispatch, and I put it Man. last because I I think there will actually be some thoughts on this movie. Um, first and foremost, if you don't know what it's about, it's essentially a love letter to The New Yorker. Um, 
Bill Murray's character runs a New Yorker style magazine um, in France, in France as like a arm of his dad's uh, paper that exists in Liberty, Kansas in the United States. And the paper is called the French dispatch, the title of the movie. And the movie is told um, as if it is you're reading the magazine, right? There are Mm -hmm. four different narrative stories Mm -hmm. uh, that are, are happening. And, um it is charming as all fucking get out and i think in many ways you could argue that this is wes anderson's magnum opus i think that like this could be his best movie i'm not gonna say it's like my favorite but i watched this movie and it was like i was cracking up there's a lot of funny elements but i was cracking up at just watching someone so in control of their craft in every single detail like, and Wes always seems to be in control of his craft, but this was just, like, operating on all cylinders, like, oh, you think I can create one world? How about I create four separate, really five separate worlds for you to, like, go in and, like, exist in for this short period of time? Uh, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, we can get more into, like, the specifics, Evan, but what were your initial thoughts on this movie? You also saw it. You know, I'm I'm glad to hear you have high praise um, also because I really love this movie, too. And I connected with so many characters throughout this movie. Um, and you you mentioned a lot of great things about this. One thing, he just brings out such good performances in people. And we've talked about this, obviously, with Wes before. But I see people like Adrian Brody on screen. And I'm missing Adrian Brody. And I don't know what he does. I know he made like a TV show recently, Chapel Wait and stuff, but he's not in many movies. But I see him in a Wes Anderson and I'm just like, why is he not? He's so good in this. Like, why is he just so good in this? And it's similar to so many people, even like Ed Norton literally doesn't really say a word in this movie and is like so memorable in the in the few minutes he pops on screen. So, yeah, I just I walked out of this movie with a huge smile on my face. 100%. And I I do want to get to the performances because I I have a couple questions to ask you around that. But what I really enjoyed is it had little elements of every single one of his films that like shone through. Like there were parts where like it kind of had the shaky camera of like Bottle Rocket. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, you know, there are obviously like like there are a lot of it is actually in black and white. And then they will flash to color for like moments of effect where I thought that was that was really um, effective for me. Yeah. Um, I think. The way it's it's told and the way that it's tied in with the writers, like narrating each one of their stories, it, it almost felt like he was like, you know what? I, I want to give these actors who play the writers like their moment in the sun to like shine and run, you know, run these like movies. But I don't know if we're going to do like a whole movie on them. So like here's 40 minutes of like Tilda Swinton fucking running house. And here's, you know, 30 minutes, 35 minutes of. Jeffrey Wright, you know, mm-hmm. being unbelievable. I, what was the standout performance for you? I think for me, Tilda Swinton, Jeffrey Wright are like top two. I think this is maybe my favorite Tilda ever. I mean, she was so fucking hilarious in mm-hmm. this kind of playing like drunk art curator giving a speech. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> just absolutely incredible with the best fake teeth of all time. Yeah. Um, those were my I, two standouts, I think. That's a great – I mean, so our shared one is is Jeffrey Wright. I thought Jeffrey Wright was incredible, and he was the definitely the character that brought it all home emotionally. You know, yeah. I don't want to spoil too much, but um, he is amazing. And, and the other one that I'll say who I had the most fun watching, and I was just 
I'm just blown away by every time is Benicio del Toro. Benicio yeah. and and I almost have to lump them in together because their chemistry is so great. But in his story, he's the main character with uh, Leia Seydoux, um, who we obviously talked about, No Time to Die. And their chemistry was so unbelievable. They were both mm. seemed to be like, I mean, we say things like throwing 100 miles per hour. They were both like at such a high level together in their scenes. I completely understand why they were left alone to just kind of interact so much. Yeah, so that trio and was my favorite of the movie is her Benicio del Toro and Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. Cause like there are even those like really like intimate moments. Yeah. When, when Benicio del Toro is like asking Adrian Brody, I thought you liked it. And he, yeah. and he like gives him a hug and tells him like, good job. And you know, he's like patting him on the head. It's really tender. But, um, Leia Seydoux, uh, <laughs> speechless. You get to see all of her in this movie and uh wes clearly is in love with her that's all i'll say there's i was shocked like you warned me and i was not mentally prepared for like how much of that story involves her nudity people in wes anderson movies he just they become very intimate it seems like with his material and that is definitely showcased in this movie, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna like, but I was just fair warning. Chip, yes. I have a question for for the class. So I have not seen this movie. It is not yet out in my neck of the woods because um, God hates me or something. Um, so we have okay. Wes, this is more of a philosophical question about Wes Anderson, but it kind yeah. of relates to what we're talking about. So, in terms of like how directors make movies, you got your Finchers, ten thousand takes. Actors are going to hate me, but it's going to be amazing. You've got mm-hmm. like your Michael Mance, um, where he's like, hey, we're coming together for this artistic thing. And it's very reverent. It's a very high, intense experience. And you've got your Wes Anderson, who so is like, hey, I want to have fun with my friends. And like all the actors really like me who are in my movies. And I like them. And we have a good time. Do we need more of that in the movies? Like, I wouldn't be opposed to more directors who are just like friends. I think with their actors. I think 100%, right? It's like, uh-huh. I watched this movie and like, like Evan said, it just seems like he gets performances out of people it, because and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But like when I watch his movies, I feel like he gets the best out of them because he's like, like almost like I be, like I believe in you and I think you're really good. Like, what do you like? What what do you want to do here? It's not yeah. like I don't feel like he like over directs like he lets the people like work and chew on the dialogue and scenery. He- he, that's true and you know something that he does that i think could be beneficial for a lot of a lot of people is um for the most part he gets these people for what like max maybe two weeks of shooting like maybe benicio because he's in the most scenes or jeffrey wright had to come in for like two two and a half weeks but besides that i bet tilda probably put in like three days working on this movie and i feel like that's like very it probably creates like a pretty fun atmosphere too, to just be like, Hey, like it's Edward Norton's week, you know, like kind of be able to cycle through and not do 150 takes. Or even if Wes is like, Hey, we do need to do 80 takes for this scene. It's like, this is one of three scenes that I'm shooting, whatever, you know, like, let's just, let's just run it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I've heard a lot, a lot of stories about like how long, how many takes it takes, how many takes he usually makes people do (laughs) because like, his movies are so precise you'd assume that there is this weird there's got to be this i feel like, i feel like level. the majority of the work comes before they ever have a camera on people step they, on 
Yeah, yeah, it feels to me like one is spending hours and hours and hours like figuring out where everything's gonna lay in a yeah, shot. Blocking. And then and then I believe like as far as blocking the characters and having I bu- I would imagine they do uh like a million rehearsals before they ever even get to a a scene. So by the time they're shooting it, it only only takes yeah. like a few times. Even like I imagine he with his cinematographer does like walkthrough after walkthrough after walkthrough after walkthrough before they ever touch a camera. Yeah. Or start shooting just to so it's already there. There's a lot of shots in a lot of his movies and in, in this one too, specifically, that he's clearly like it's a picture that's moving. I mean, there are whole oh yeah, there are literally whole shots in this movie, not to spoil anything, where like there people are like it's supposed to almost be like a freeze frame, but people yeah. are clearly like holding their position, like mm-hmm. in yeah. camera. Oh like, yeah. I love like, that. So it's like you could see like arms moving and stuff. Dude, it's it's really amazing. It's really yeah. cool. The first the first ten minutes of the movie is almost like when you're flipping through the beginning of a magazine and it's a lot of pictures, like you know, yeah. with the this is the stories we have in this one, and it's still shots from the different. It's very much like that, honestly. And that's not like giving anything away. Like the yeah. first ten minutes are almost like a slideshow, or you know, of of like a vacation or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, like I. I want to clarify, this isn't like, oh, this is what art needs or art is bad if you're not friends with. That's not what I'm saying at all. Do what it takes to make great art, you know, within like, mm-hmm. basic moral boundaries. But like, it's just fun. When yeah. It's clear that everyone is just like happy go lucky friends. And like, no matter if, if it's a darker story, but like everyone's still chill and like you're having a good time. It's, it's the same with like, I mean, Gerwig has this right now. I think mm-hmm. um, like PTA, friend, very good friends with Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. Like, they don't make Wes Anderson-type movies, but, like, him and DDL, boys. You know who I thought of a lot? Like, Martin Scorsese. I feel like all those behind-the-scenes clips you ever see of, like, Goodfellas in those movies, first of all, Martin Scorsese has half of his family on the set in the movie. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like everyone literally is just hanging out, and then at a certain point they're like, all right, now the camera's going to roll. Like, But it's almost part of the same vibe, obviously, with, like, Robert De Niro acting like a psychopath through the whole thing. Mm But Anderson almost seems and it's funny because Scorsese is one of the first people to really recognize Anderson's like greatness. But Anderson really seems to have a similar thing where it's kind of like, I mean, shoot, he gets Bill Murray to start in all his movies. And Jed, like you've told the stories and stuff like Bill Murray is definitely not, you know, known for being like a super friendly, like happy go lucky guy around Hollywood and like becoming tight with a lot of people. He's actually had like falling outs with most people he's ever like collaborated with other than like. Wes time and time again yeah so I actually I actually have a theory about this and I could be completely wrong I think this is the last uh Wes Anderson movie Bill Murray's ever gonna do oh um, really based on based on the wow. narrative based on the narrative structure. wow um, interesting I definitely uh, think Bill Murray is working through some stuff yeah for sure this one. I I would uh yeah it we we can discuss this more offline because that would be the only like spoiler thing that yeah it would give mm-hmm. away um, I want to. I have two more questions. First and foremost, uh, we got to talk about our boy Timmy Chalamet. We talked about him in uh, last week in Dune. He's everywhere. Uh, he's in this movie, and I think there is uh, not widespread, but there's significant kind of criticism of him in this movie, which I think is is interesting. What did you think of his performance, Evan? Um, yeah, I saw some of that too, and it was like it's another one of those. It's I was trying to figure out like, are these just five people that I know, or is this like a consistent thing going around? Um, I thought he was very good. Like I, I, and I will admit that I didn't really think there was a bad performance in the entire movie out of any of like the main characters. Um, but I, I thought 
Timothy was was good, and I thought his back and forth with Francis McDormand was was really funny and well timed. Um, and and really he fit. I will say like he does he is on a little different plane than almost every other character you see throughout the movie. But I chose to to believe that that was part of the story, like his character when everyone mm. sees it. His character is very different than everyone else. He's like one of the least introspective people, which is maybe a little bit of a funny commentary on on you know one of the younger budding uh, like you know acting stars. But he's definitely one of the more like brash characters compared yeah. to like all these other characters who are writers, introspective, like you know in touch with their feelings type people. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that was, yeah, that's kind of how I felt. It was like there mm-hmm. were times where, like, I think it maybe felt like he was in, like, a bit of a different movie, but I almost think that was, like, on purpose. And I think it wasn't helped by he's playing off Big Dorman, who's literally, like, if you want to talk about the epitome of, like, a Wes Anderson, you know, style of movie yeah. acting, like, so straight and, like, that, like, introspective, everything is happening, like, internally. And he is acting very externally in this movie. Um, which there was like that interesting dichotomy, but I thought he was good as well. And I don't think it yeah. deserves criticism. I'd love to see him do more stuff with Wes. I think like, I, agree. He can, I think he could really like live in that Wes world. I'd love to see a Sersha. Sersha's in this movie as well for mm-hmm. a very short amount of time, but I'd love to see like a story centered around Sersha and, and Timmy. Um, it would be really fun in, in Wes Anderson world. I completely agree. And, you know, that just made me think of he fits the look of Wes Anderson movies. He's very yeah. slender and like, you know, evenly like what is it like proportioned <laughs> or whatever. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. his face and everything is very symmetrical is what I should say. And everything he kind of fits that vibe. But also there are multiple jokes that he makes about his quote unquote muscles, about how he's embarrassed about his new muscles. So and funny. that makes two movies that came out on the exact same day starring Timothy Chalamet in which he makes fun of his own body for being like what a skinny weakling he is. And I just thought that was kind of a funny thing because like Dune, you know, that's the major laugh in Dune is Jason Momoa basically being like, haha, you're still a shrimp to Timothy yeah. Chalamet. The singular and, joke. Yeah. Yeah. And basically gets mocked in naked in a bathtub because of his body by Francis McDormand in uh, in French Dispatch. I mean, and AKA my dream. And he makes it work. The other thing that I wanted to mention, Jed, like you said, very Wes Anderson like, but Francis McDormand's role would have fit in very much so in a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. And I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, yeah, my. Couldn't she have like she had a real like. It, it was just a funny thing that I was thinking of. Like she is, uh, yeah, she kind of has a, she could have fit in the lobster or in the lobster for sure. Hmm. Um, last thing, which one of the stories was your favorite? So I, I don't know if we can like Owen Wilson's story is more of like a prologue than it is like an actual, like, you know, it's like what, 10 minutes and the rest of them are pretty, you know, 30 to 45 yeah. minutes. Um, did you like, and did any of them really stand out like Benicio del Toro? He, you know, the kind of prison art. Mm-hmm. Then there's the the youth revolution with Timmy Chalamet, yeah. Frederick Dorman, and then the police cooking with Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> I personally, I had uh, the the opening story with Benicio and Leia Sidhu was uh, and Adrian Brody was my um, my favorite. It also had Tilda in there. I almost forgot that she's part of that story um, because of. This movie is very confusing. We should also mention that. Like, at times, you're just like, what is happening? Like, how did we get here? But, um, yeah, that first story. I yeah, was- especially during that first story. Like, they break for Tilda to, like, chew on the scenery. Yeah. Like, 
multiple like, times. Yeah, it's it's funny, like the narrative structure, like Tilda's basically like giving a lecture about like the history of this guy's art, but then it's like flashing back to like the art and then it'll take breaks to talk about how apparently like she was in a relationship. But she's yeah, also first person with it. Yeah. That's yeah, it's when you're so, just like, yeah. what? Yeah, it's, um, it's it's really yeah. funny and like almost in a way that only Wes can can get away with. And like, yeah, it's got my favorite performances. Like if you throw Tilda, Adrian Brody, uh, Leia Sedu, uh, Benicio, like there's so much good, funny stuff um, in this that yeah, that I really, really enjoyed. I, the There's a lot of uh, this also has the funniest commentary about like the very Wes Anderson, like art, like what is art and like yeah. what makes good art like they're literally it's so on its face and, um, yeah and like art being like worth money i yeah. i think i put this in my review but like the major undertone of this entire movie aside from just like i love new york articles from wes is like <laughs> is it morally <laughs> acceptable to make art and make money off that art at the same time like is the is the art compromised like that's not spoiling anything to say like that is a through line for yeah, uh with for the ev- whole movie yeah with everything um mm-hmm. but i i agree that was my favorite but i really i loved the music of the the youth revolution mm. timmy chalamet yeah. was the best and then i think like jeffrey wright man but yeah. his my favorite part of his performance was not actually like the first person element of it. it it was the recounting like on like that like weird 70s tv show thing yeah like when he was just like they just let him like soliloquy mm-hmm. it was incredible yeah. so that's where they did some really cool stuff too with switching perspectives and like yeah. you know dissolving the room it's very much like a, a fantasy that that you watch and that's part of it but yeah that is a great section yeah. and it's definitely like, like the the big, you know, aha moment, according to Wes, I would imagine. Yeah, 100%. Um, but Fred's Dispatch, go see it. If you're a fan of Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. you'll enjoy it. Um, I think if you're a fan of The New Yorker, you'll enjoy it. But if you're if you're yeah. a fan of The New Yorker and not a fan of Wes Anderson, you have some cognitive dissonance going on in your head. Because um, those two things, I think, line up really well. I think <laughs> if, if that's the case, you're lying about one of them. Yeah, 100%. posing in one group. Here, I have one question for Chip actually on French Dispatch. Yeah, before and after all this, can you tell like who are you most excited to see perform in this movie before like hearing anything about it, and then who have you been most excited about both through Jed and I and just like the general discourse around this movie? Oh yeah, um, going in, uh, going into the recording it was Del Toro because I always like, okay yeah. obsessed. Um, yeah. You guys kind of got me sold on Jeffrey Wright. Pretty interested to see what that's all about. Um, okay, let me just look at the letterbox. Um, casting for this is insane. We were doing this ahead of time, and Sir yeah. Ronan is like somehow the 18th person to build in this movie. Um, just that's just ludicrous. Um, is it true? Is Christoph Waltz in this movie? Yeah, that can't be true. Yep. Yes, that's nuts. Yeah, he's the he 19th is, build person. He's like wallpaper. It's oh this movie is insane. Every single person, like two main characters will sit down at a table, like with a seemingly random person. And you're just like, oh, there's an Oscar winner. OK, so you're just in this for 45 seconds. Yeah. It's Where, just like why? West found a bunch of people with a day off in Paris. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably actually what happened, too. Did they film this a lot of this in Paris or is I this know, just a question? I have no idea. I just know I, mean, I just know fond of Paris. 
Yeah, I, that's that's totally fair. And that's I think he that, lives, uh, I believe, I'm right. sure that Wes Anderson sets feel like another uh, country crossing yeah. international line. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I'm excited for this movie. Um, I've been, I mean, I just don't think I've appreciated Wes Anderson enough in my own life. Um, and I yeah. think I'm coming to realize that. And maybe I've, not that I've slandered him before, but I've been like, yeah, he, he's, he exists. I'll see his mm-hmm. movies. They're pretty good. But now I'm like, this guy's got, this guy, I, I think this Wes Anderson's guy, I think this Wes Anderson guy's got something. I don't know. If all, I'm, I'm tapped into the culture. Y'all heard of this guy? Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm real pumped to see this, especially seeing the reviews coming in. Um, not, not fond of how they've kind of handled this rollout. feels like it's a lot, it's a lot of the Fox Disney searchlight shit. And I don't even want to get into that um, to be quite honest, but yeah. Well, I'm excited. I, I'll tell you what, Wes Anderson's three days. So Wes Anderson's got it and it is a piece of my soul. So that's what he's got. Um, but that kind of wraps up our, our movie roundup. Um, I hope this helped kind of sort everyone's brains on like, Hey, I I need to go to the movies, but I can't see everything. Um, you know, what we liked and, and what we didn't, I think, uh, definitely go see last duel. Definitely go see last night in Soho or probably go see last night in Soho. Go see it. Definitely see French Dispatch, uh, and then Titan if you're into that kind of thing, and and uh, oh, definitely boy. don't go see Halloween Kills, or I guess oh. watch it from watch the first 15 minutes for the fire. Hey, fire. it's free at home, so if yeah. I if you want just like the most gruesome movie that it's probably going to come out this year, go check it out. Oh, and don't go see Venom. Wait till it's on a Southwest flight <laughs> to your in-laws' house. Um, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, if you haven't, follow us on twitter at flick and scream on instagram at flicking and screaming join the conversation we love chatting with you guys about movies next week we are actually pitting two of my favorite movies ever against each other grand budapest hotel speaking of wes anderson versus hail caesar yeah who's gonna win the quirk off of the century uh God. <laughs> the signs battle I'm, I'm nervous. I think it's going to be the first, um, you know, the first verses with two perfect scores. Yeah, we are. We so we kind of had one. So when we did Heat versus Casino, me and Evan both gave Heat perfect scores, if I am correctly remembering. And I don't know if Jed ever submitted his scores for that, but I'm just going to pretend he did and pretend that Heat did in fact receive a perfect score. But yes, no, this is going to be like a game of inches, you know. Mm-hmm. I wish we could give them both perfect scores, but uh, what did it was so simple? What did it Why are you saying it like that? <laughs> the Rafe finds of it all is going to be really fun next week. Mm-hmm. Let's come armed with some impre- impersonations. Very oh, yeah. no, I'm, I'm breaking out. Cool I'm breaking out my Brolin impression for this. Oh my gosh! Just wait. All right. For flicking and screaming, Jed Sprague, M. Vagundis, J.T. Chipman. We'll see you next week. Thank you guys so much, as always. Good night, everybody. See ya.